Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. Okay. Hey, how's it going? All right. Another podcast and uh, wanted to talk. First of all, Annie, what is on your mind? Uh, Yeah. So um, there's a a documentary out right now about Hillsong, the church Hillsong. Mm. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I've heard about it and it sounds like it's pretty scandalous and they're really finding some pretty scandalous things happening within the Hillsong church. And so um, I happen to love the music that comes out of Hillsong. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of music from Hillsong. Yeah. Um, it resonates with me. It speaks to me. So I guess the question is, Do should churches continue to use Hillsong music in their worship despite all of the corruption and scandal that's happening within the church? Yeah. A little background, Hillsong, they, their church that started out of Australia, right? And they just started a movement. Basically, uh, the church grew because of the music. I mm-hmm. think, you know, Bethel is kind of similar, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and yeah, we don't have time to go into all the scandals. There's so many. The Carl Lenz, the Justin Bieber's pastor, and then and then now uh, Brian Houston, the lead pastor, the sexual scandal and financial scandal, and then his cover-up of his father, who was a pedophile. I mean, just a long list of horrible things. Real bad. Uh, but yeah, the music, how many songs at our church do we use on rotation? Is I it? would say maybe seven to 10. Yeah. And they're good. And I like them. They happen to be some of my absolute favorites. So, yeah. right. Um, I was just reading this morning. I sent you this article too, by the church and culture blog by James Emery White. And he's a leader of a very large church mech, uh, in North Carolina, I think. And, um, they're a mega church and they use all this same kind of music and they've made a decision. He's got a very large influential church mech in North Carolina and they have made the decision to not use any more Hillsong music. And they had about 10 songs in their continual rotation. I mean, their most famous one was back 1994 shout to the Lord was kind of like the birth of the contemporary music uh, culture, but they made that decision because they didn't want any royalties mm-hmm. from using that music uh, going back to this corrupt organization. So that's, man, there, there's so many sticking points on that. And he brought up uh, something from history. He brought up the the, the Donatists and um, during the time of Diocletian, the emperor uh, persecuting the Christian church and some people flaked out and, and weren't willing to be persecuted. And then the question was later, do we let these people who weren't willing to suffer for their faith once the persecution is over. Do we still let them lead? I don't know if that was a good example. I, I guess the example that I think of is what leader in our history doesn't have huge black spots? Um, you know, when you read Martin Luther, uh, he's an anti-Semite, pretty bad, especially in his old age. Um, Calvin had some really uh, strange things also. We use his music. Uh, so that's kind of thing is that you look at all of these leaders and there are some really bad things that are on their record. Now, for the most part, they repented of those things. Uh, I don't know if Luther ever repented of, of the things he said against the Jews. Um, doesn't seem like it. But that's kind of the question. Do you use music or books or material from people or organizations that are corrupt? Well, here's the thing. I mean, if we... <laughs> we're all corrupt, right? So like, should we not use anybody's anything, including our own? Because, you know, I mean, and granted, we have varying degrees of corruption and some things, you know, are quite bad. Um, But I, the, the thing that struck me in that article was the financial piece of it. I hadn't, I guess I hadn't, and I should have thought about this and I didn't, but was the, um, the fact that, yeah, they're getting, they're being financially supported Mm -hmm. when we use these songs and when we you know, pull them from our resources. And so, I mean, I don't like that part of it, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I, I love the songs. I think they resonate with people. They resonate with me. And I'm, I don't know how much they're really making in royalties. Will the royalties sustain them yeah. in their corruption? I don't, I don't. Do they want to be sustained in their corruption? 
that's that's my whole thing is it's not like i mean these these people know everyone knows right it's not like they're just like well as long as people keep singing our music we'll be able to support pedophiles for the next 50 years these people have been ousted right but they're also seems seemingly non-repentant about it. And so right. instead of they're having of, people sign non, yeah, non-disclosure right. d- agreements and right. things like that. So instead, yeah, instead of being transparent and being like, mm. oh, yep, we screwed this up big time. We got to fix this. We got to mend what we did. Now it's OK. Everybody just be quiet about it here. Sign this non-disclosure agreement, all the employees. Um, so it just seems like. Yeah, the lack of repentance and the lack of trying to fix these things certainly doesn't doesn't help their are case. they well are they are they keeping the people on who have been accused of these things uh Brian Houston the lead pastor resigned mm-hmm. but still has not he he blames you know some of his discretion and sins that he committed on drug use or medications he was taking you know there's all these excuses which is just crazy when you think of the Christian church being one of repentance and forgiveness right it, it has mm-hmm. uh if and in this article too, James Emery White ends by saying, "And if or when Hillstone Church shows true institutional repentance, I'll sing shout to the Lord louder than anyone." So we're waiting for that. Re- he's th- this guy's waiting for that repentance right. thing. But it, it is hard, you know, where you draw that line. I think the other thing, not just financially, but you know, we at the end of every song we put. Um, you know, we put credits up there to, to um, you know, acknowledge where this music came from. How many of our people, maybe none, uh, but see that and, oh, that was a Hillsong? And are they, uh, do they know what's going on in, in the greater news? Is that going to trigger? Oh, are we supporting? Is it going to hurt someone's conscience? I mean, I wonder too that, that Paul talked about that, you know, to, it's not such a black and white, but is this going to also harm someone's conscience that, our people wonder, am I supporting something that is openly uh, sinful without repentance? That's another aspect to it. Well, I hope we don't get any complaints because I, <laughs> I really... Well, no one knew about it till we just till brought now. it up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, kind of shot ourselves in the foot here. I also wonder, because you know how Marty Sampson was like kind of a really, you know, he came out mm-hmm. of the Hillsong yeah. uh, place and he really, you know, a couple years ago, he openly, publicly left the faith, yep, you know, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder if he was seeing stuff, you know, I mean, or the, cul- yeah. you know, the culture at Hillsong or something, if that triggered it or I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, I, I think he did have that. I'm saying all these things from stage. I'm singing all these things, but I'm not seeing the reality yeah, in the, maybe in the leadership in myself. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I wonder if that, it seemed to be that, that, I don't know if you've ever mentioned anything about the leadership, but just the two, the hypocrisy, mm-hmm. uh, in, even in his own life, to put on the performance. It is really sad because, yeah, we do use a lot of the music, and it. They, I would agree. I think there are some of my favorite songs to sing, and and they're good lyrics. I mean, they're yeah. Christ centered. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some people have have said Hillsong sometimes is too much about the individual, my faith, uh, this is what I'm doing for God instead of what God has done for us. But, I mean, even if you think back to Shout to the Lord, is about he came from heaven to earth, you know, talking about what God has done for us. So I don't know if that's always um, true. You know, that, that that's one thing that oh, people... And their songs just, they, stylistically, they just, they, they fit what we have here at Victory, like mm-hmm. our band, and... yeah. It, they they just feel so natural, and maybe it's because I've been doing them for like yeah. you know twelve years or whatever. But um, so I what I mean, do you guys have a problem with it, or do you think I I don't, and I don't know. Well, then I feel bad, and I wonder. Well, should I should I feel bad about this? So I kind of like feel bad that I don't feel bad. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, I have a list of of books that I don't read anymore because the pastors or leaders uh, have. Yeah, committed unrepentant sin, lived in it, didn't come back from it, and uh, I have a hard time personally reading. Like, now is music different? Like these are these are lyrics that they've taken from scripture, put them together in a stylistic way, not necessarily um, trying to craft a whole message, but it's trying to lead us in worship. And uh, and there does seem to be 
a little bit of distance from these lyrics and ne- necessarily who has, who's writing them or who's singing them. But it, I don't know, it is, it is challenging. Um, for me, the only piece that I am conflicted about is the financial. Sure. Yeah. That's really it. Cause this, I mean, I guess as far as I'm concerned, again, I love the music. I love them, the, what they're saying and what they're, mm-hmm. I just love, it just gives me all the feels. And so I, I'm not, my conscience is not, upset mm-hmm. by continuing to do these songs but i am like but they're getting money out of it sure. so that's for that for me is the conflicting part yeah 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 it's interesting that that mech this church and culture blog and that mech, mech church has decided to to discontinue using those songs it probably is going to take a longer conversation i'd be interested you know with what our whole leadership team, the rest of the staff thinks about it too. Um, have more conversations with people in the congregation. It, it reminds me a little bit of what Paul talks about, meat sacrifice to idols. Mm. We had this um, this sermon series a, a while back on Corinthians, and Pastor Bill had that sermon. I think it's, oh, is that 1 Corinthians 8, where where Paul is talking about you can, everything, you can eat meat that's sacrificed uh to these 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 Greek gods that sold in your marketplace, but be careful that your freedom because it's just meat; it's not it doesn't have any real power. But just be careful that your freedom does not lead to other people, you know, sinning. So just because you don't have a problem with it, and I don't know how I feel about it. I think the other thing too is, you know, or well, first of all, does this hurt somebody else? I think the other thing for me is we're so distance from distant from them. I mean, this is a, we don't have any personal connection with Hillsong. You know, we don't, if, if we weren't reading the news, we'd have no idea. It's not like they're down the street. They're in Australia. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a whole, uh, it's a, it's a whole nother organization, a whole nother church body. They're not necessarily connected with us at all. Uh, and so if we didn't know any of the backstory, I don't think we'd have any problem whatsoever. Well, and is it the songwriters themselves who are really engaging in this corruption too? It's like, yeah, right. you know, the, the lead pastor is one thing, but he's not the guy who's writing the songs or making right. the music. So, yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard. And then, you know, how far does that go? You know, I, I know some people who don't drink Pepsi because they found out that the Pepsi Corporation, you know, is involved in pornography, some pornography or something like that, you know, how far do you go investigating what businesses you support and, and, and where does that line cross? We could be in trouble, everyone. I mean, for political Mm -hmm. affiliations and lobbying, I mean, Mm -hmm. you could really go down a rabbit hole and by the next thing you know, you're not eating or drinking or listening to anything Mm because, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's kind of a mess. Yeah. I think, I think if there was very clear false doctrine in the songs, yes, that would be that would be something to, yes. to talk about too. Agreed. Um, we have. I'm trying to think if if, the, if this has happened in our hymnal. If there's any hymns that were written by people that that you know had had uh, revealed corruption. I mean, I mentioned some of those things against Luther and Calvin. Um. Those Gettys, I heard their trouble. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> joke, that's why joke. basically half our new Lutheran hymnal is Getty songs because they just seem as pure as <laughs> the freshly, you know, sn- the snow, Fresh right? Snow, yeah. yeah. So, Matt, you're thinking. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of thoughts. Um, uh, where to start? Okay. Well, first question is, how bad? before we can't use the song how bad does the songwriter have to be or how bad does the songwriter's lead pastor have to be how bad does the songwriter's affiliated congregation have to be before we don't get to use the song anymore and that's a good question so we do still use a marty sam a song that was written by marty sampson yeah which Um, one is that uh it's called home Uh uh-huh and great song yeah um we still use it, even right. though he has publicly, you know, deconstructed and yeah. whatever. Um, but that's a really good question. At what point? Like we all know, pedophilia is pretty bad, right? Sexual misconduct—that's like a big one, right? What if it was just like a little embezzlement, though? I think there are <laughs> there are. Some. Oh my goodness! 
yeah, there is that too. With there, there's financial problems going on here. I, again, you wonder, and I could be all wrong on this. Maybe I need to think about this more. And but, um, is it how we perceive? You know, do we make that deep connection? Can I sing a song and not be connected at all? to the person or their background or do I automatically am I automatically supporting backing up um promoting mm-hmm. that person's choices and lifestyle I mean you could say it with almost any music too as a Christian um or do I just need to look at the lyrics that are on on the page I that's I really think tough. Christian music that's what kind of what it's about I don't think it's I mean or, or theoretically like, I feel like it should be yeah. like we're, it shouldn't be about yeah. the, you know, the person writing it. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes in secular music, it is like that. And that's okay. I love, I love, you know, my pop music. I love it. Um, but it's like with Christian music, it's really not about you. It's not for you. It's, you know, yeah. so I, I don't think we need to internalize, mm-hmm. you know, Hillsong songs as a, you know, identifying with, with them. Or mm-hmm. I think, you know, and kind of on that note too, like, um, I think Bethel has kind of come under some churches don't want to use Bethel music because it of a doctrinal mm-hmm. difference, yeah. you know, so like, are we okay to do Bethel songs because they might have different doctrine? Right. I guess I'm like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> well, we, we have in our Lutheran hymnal, we have John Wesley's hymns and some other hymns. We are not in doctrinal agreement with a lot of. Oh, really? Uh, okay. So we have, we have that and, and we've stuck to um that the words are good mm-hmm. uh and so there were and and they've kind of stood the test of time i think the hard part is is when do you start associating i mean i wonder if it's instead of the question is what's you know how far does this sin have to go but how much do we associate that song with that person mm-hmm. uh could you sing a hill song and not even know anything about Yes. Brian Houston or any of yes. these kind of people. Yeah, we have. Right. Yeah. We have. For a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, what what happens when someone says, oh, there's this great song, check it out on YouTube. You have no idea. And then you find out later the person's like a yeah. drug dealer. I don't know. Right. You're like, oh, well, that's morally reprehensible. Can't sing the song anymore. Yeah. I mean, what? To me, that's nonsense. So do you say it doesn't matter what the person who wrote the song or associated with the song is more about the song itself? Well, you said last week King David was a murderer, right? Right. He wrote a whole bunch of songs. We sing those in every Lutheran church mm. without fail. But there was repentance. Yeah, that that's the difference, I think. Uh, yeah. And, and the people at Hillsong are not repentant because their church has not released a public statement. Not, not even just a public statement, but every time like Brian Houston and others have been. Now, Carl Lenz, I think he has repented and, and you know, has asked for forgiveness and has left the ministry and, and is trying to um, amend his ways and things like that. Brian Houston doesn't seem to be going that, that route. So how many hoops, right? How many hoops do they have to jump through then? Well, and I'm sorry would be great. Yeah. <laughs> this, you know, all, something. All I'm saying is this is what you brought up when we... um. Oh, whatever it was, 17, 1800 years ago, 1900 years ago, when people left their faith or they abandoned their faith when times were tough, yeah. Christianity became legal and now they want to step back in. And the Christian church said, how bad and how many hoops? Yeah. Mm. How, many, how, much, how much dancing do you have to do before we let you back in? Like how publicly repentant, right? how many community service hours you got to put in? That's so not Christian. Well, I think if you, but if you just get the sense that somebody's heart is, and we can't obviously totally judge that, but when you get the sense that there's something. I think that's right. very human. I don't think that's very Christian. Well, repentance re- is very Christian. What do you mean? No, you're talking about a sense that they're not repentant. What you're asking is how many hoops? You're not doing enough to satisfy me. Or anybody. I mean, or just a basic apology. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think, so let's, if it is this sexual sin that he was using his place of power, uh, and anytime you're in a place of power, uh, you know, to use that to, to 
whatever, have these hookups with these these women, and and really there's an intimidation there that they almost have to comply, right? And so, what would be appropriate repentance? You know, first of all, yeah, like you said, saying I'm sorry, apologizing, but then some kind of work to say, you know, I need to be under some kind of control or care. I need to do something to show that I. I mean, it's very, it's like. Bill Cosby, there's no real repentance there. He, oh, he fought still it. Denies it. Yeah, he still I mean, denies it, still fights it. So I think that's that's there's no there's no forgiveness without repentance. Right. Um so I, I I think that's the issue. Now I for me, I think the, the still the issue is how much kind of like that meat sacrificed idols, how much do I think about the idol while I'm eating this meat? Or is it just nutrition for my body? Um, that was a first century issue that they had to deal with. How much am I thinking about Hillsong and the and the scandals as I'm singing to God, shout to the Lord, or what? You know, that's an old one. Whatever the new ones are, um, and it might be different degrees for different people. You know, somebody has remembers this song that necessarily you know brought them to faith. They're not associating with the with Hillsong. I just think we're bringing in. We're bringing in like too much just of our own kind of sinful human bias into it. Like, all right, I'll come up with an example. During COVID, there were several churches I heard about that they basically gave the middle finger to the mask mandate and the shutdowns and were like, no, we're here to worship God, right? God before men. We're going to stay open. We're going to keep worshiping. Breaking the law. So if a church did that... Would any of us, would any of us even think about stopping using their music? That's just a less, like, we just don't, it doesn't upset us as much. I see. It's a less bad thing, you know? And we're like, yeah, they broke the law. They're kind of making a bad name for the church as maybe rebellious. But at the same time, we're kind of like, they're, they're, they're doing, they're worshiping God. Like, we can't be sad at that, you know? But they're breaking the law. They are sinning, in essence. As an institution. As an institution. And so then we would say, like, okay, we can't use their songs. No, we wouldn't. We would just go keep right on keep right on doing it. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a maybe maybe it's the same example. It just it seems like Cause one sin is worse than the other. Well, say it, Pastor. Yeah, one there, sin is worse. there is there are there you know, although there are sins that are worse than others. I think we have to be clear on that. It's just even the small small sin is still worth God's judgment. You know, if I murder somebody, that's different than if I hate them. And yet Jesus says whoever hates is equal to a murder or, or has already committed murder. He, he doesn't say it's equal. He says you've already committed murder. So even hatred is a bad thing. Murder is still worse. So staying open for COVID, just so we're clear, <laughs> is not as bad as sexually abusing an individual. I don't think it is. Putting hundreds of lives at risk is well, not as bad as abusing one person. I think it's a different, a whole different thing. Well, that's a risk versus a guarantee. Yeah. Like a risk of exposing people versus a guarantee I, of, of sexual misconduct. So yeah. you can't really put quantify like this yeah. risk. But those people could die. It's a risk. It's yeah. not a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Spoken like someone who's kind of an anti-vaxxer. Just saying. <laughs> I'm, you just want to you just want to churn the pot today, huh? The bear today. <laughs> you're the only job. one. I'm not. I don't want to disclose anybody's vaccination status, but I think you should um, <laughs> mind yourself. So I think, th- yeah, that's a that's a. I don't know if that's a one to one example, right? And and first of all, I think we're going to find all sorts of other things about. Yeah, that that whole issue years to come. So I don't know if that's that's the clear and a clear example. All, all I'm saying is like Zach Williams, right? We have some oh, great yes. Zach Williams songs. Yeah. Zach Williams used to be addicted to drugs. Yes. I yeah. mean, Alcohol. he's basically said if it weren't for Jesus, I would be in prison or dead like I right. used to do all these tor- terrible things. And now he's a changed person. Yeah. And we love and him we for it. We love him. Yeah. And we will sing his music. His music all day long. And it's just like so if you're recovering from the sin, it's okay. But if you're going to fall into the sin, it's not okay. But if you fell into the sin and then later recovered, now we could bring your songs back into church. I mean, that, that's just nonsense to me. Mm. I don't think it is because, 
so another big name was Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias mm-hmm. was like a known apologist. He went around speaking all over. He had he had all all the support it seemed like of Christian publishers and and uh, Christian churches, and uh, he seemed to be very smart uh, on how he defended the faith. Um, and then when he died at his funeral, um, he. And all these Christian leaders and 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 politicians and Tim Tebow and everybody's speaking at his funeral, and he never disclosed that behind the scenes he had all these women that he was abusing. It was all in secret. And how are you going to follow, still read his books and not think about that and and and, and you know support his lectures or you know? But the, but my question is, did he say good things? I guess. Because now you're uh, now you're idolizing the person. Oh, yeah, but I think the the tree. Jesus says a tree will be known by its fruit, and so if it's mm. a good tree. Uh, it'll produce good fruit, and if you find out that the fruit is bad, um, I also don't. I, I don't want to follow that guy's theology. I don't want to have him influence. If he if he's living a double life, um, I don't want him to influence me. But what if his theology is very good? Theology is also your theology and practice go together. Um, you know, I don't think so. You don't think so? You don't think no. good theology leads? I think Christian life and theology oh. are very separate because there's so many people that theology is all theoretical. It's just t- it's just looking at the Bible and then you you write things and you think about things, and and I mean what that's that's again it's how bad. But we say, but, like, your theology's great, and thank the Lord you only did, like, six bad things <laughs> that have been recorded by history, and I don't even think they're that bad. And we take a look at history, and, okay, everyone was kind of doing those things, so that's okay. But, but now you, it's all public. Now it's all public. Some of it's been taped, and, ooh, sexual sin, we don't really forgive that one. And so everything you've ever written is wrong. Yeah. Well, all right. Will you? Would you listen to a sermon that I'd preach if I was a complete jerk to the staff here and never repented of? You know, would that be hard? That's to... really personal, though. Too. Well, if it was like to me, I mean, I yeah, I would have a personal bias. Maybe I'd be like, screw that Ben <laughs> guy. I'm not listening to him. Well, well, I think that's kind of what I'm trying to say, though. Is like, how do you listen to somebody's words if they don't back it up with their life? Well, nobody can. I mean. We... Yeah, nobody, nobody can. can. But backing up with a, re- a repentant life, sure, you know, and that's sure. all I mean. Not that you're you're living. Hopefully, if somebody called me on something, I would repent. And I think Augustine said, you know, I'm never going to be a knowing a knowing heretic. I'll never be a, a heretic that knows they're a heretic and continue. Hopefully, I'll always repent. And I think that's. Again, that that's the difference is that the cover up is worse than the sin. Yeah. So being humble and repentant and trying. Uh, right. Making, trying that to... still doesn't answer our question. Can you use the song or not? <laughs> the, I, and well, and the, the the other thing is, um, would they have repented if they weren't caught? So that's another very oh. human thing we bring in, right? Thank we, God we catch for getting it. caught, though. Yeah. I mean, the relief yeah. that some people have, like, uh, is it? I never remember which one it is Psalm 32 or Psalm 38, where, where David says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted within me, mm. you know, and then Nathan came and confronted him. Thank God for whistleblowers. I mean, not just for the victims, but for the perpetrators who are sinning, you know, they, they're carrying this load. And when they finally get caught, it's, it's like, I don't have to hide it anymore. It's a relief. Cause I think sometimes they can get really stuck into a, a lifestyle or a habit where they they themselves can't get out of it right you know yeah and so there's all they try to do is cope with life right Uh, so i i think thank god for for when they get called on it i just have i i don't know i just have a problem when we when we as as a group of people who are not in any way involved not in any way involved like you said we're halfway across the world Mm mm-hmm and we get to decide when you're repentant enough for us to keep singing your songs. Not repentant enough, just repentant at all. Right, but at all. but we get to we get to pick. I th- you're, well, you're suggesting that that we're we're asking for 
grand gestures and things like that and hoops to jump through. It would just be nice to have it publicly addressed, have it transparent. Yeah. I mean, I right isn't that I mean, we need to do that in order to get forgiveness. Like we need to repent and I mm-hmm. it's not it's not about what we want. I don't they don't have to, you know, pay restitution and do all this stuff. Just a simple apology. Right. A repentant heart would be great. Right. And I think that's why Paul writes to Timothy, he says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. So as Paul is teaching his his, his um, student to be a pastor after him, he says, this is really important. Not just watch your theology, he says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them so that you save both yourself and your hearers. It's really hard because some of the most influential pastors in my life are no longer in the ministry, and it kind of you know, you know they led me into the ministry but it does kind of affect how i think about them um i don't want to say question their theology or 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 my decisions because of it, but man if the devil can strike the shepherd the sheep mm. scatter and and so i think the devil is always after the lead shepherds mm-hmm. and 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 is always trying to bring down and i and i don't because there's there's another group that we're not thinking about here, and that's the victims. You know, like if those two women who were, you know, it seems like sexual assault, or he used his power to to to, to control these women. If they're in the room, um, would we would we be a little less bold on some of these things, or would we have some compassion for them? So I think that's an, a whole other group that needs to be thought about when we are supporting. Now again, I don't I don't know if that song makes that deep association and uh, it'd be interesting to even talk to some of these people who were on the other end of this to ask them, you know, like do you think we could still sing the songs with that how would that affect you mm. if people were still supporting uh this ministry? But so that's another group. Yeah, I, and I I'm I don't think any of us think that what happened to these people was okay. Right. Or that they are not being thought of. It's just, I think, in the context of our discussion, we're not that it's not really about them. We're I think that's why music. I like this trio we got going here because you you like to poke the bear and keep the conversation yeah. going. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I don't even agree with half the stuff I say. <laughs> <laughs> You've said that before. <laughs> um, um, another, but uh, another big point that I think has to be brought up. Um, is just the institution of the church. Mm-hmm. And so like for a church like Hillsong, like the mega church is kind of its own thing. Yeah. I think for Lutherans, sometimes we get a little obsessed with the synod. Yeah. And I, to me, I don't know. I think there's so much danger there. How do you what, mean? What, what do you mean we get, we get obsessed with the synod? Like what is that? What does that mean? We focus too much on the synod. Well, like the Bible says, where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. And we say the invisible church is the people. The church is not the building. The invisible church is the people. Mm -hmm. And like a group of people can come together. They can start a church. And then they're going to do what? Maybe they're going to join a synod. And now there's like, they have to get maybe approval from this other body. Like, oh, we want to make sure we're still in line with what you guys think. And it's like... But y'all are the ones that started the church. The group of people started the church or the group of people that has a house church. Yeah. And you're, so, and, and you're, so I, there's, what's your problem just institutionalized in general or what, what is your issue? I have, I, I have a problem when it's like, there's this scandal and now it's, now it's um, uh, being brought to light. Yeah. And now the church as a whole, as an institution, has to say, this is our public statement. And it's like, kind of, but the sin was individual. And now we're putting a lot of pressure on thousands of people, maybe, or I don't know who the founders are, or whatever. And it's like, why are they being made responsible? And like, that's how the business world works. And we have to say, like, the views expressed in this video do not reflect the producers, right? Right, right. And, and... But I guess that, that it's so it to me it's so human. Yeah, I I guess that was that that's the reason that institution has had to make so many cover ups is because I think of the structure that it was a huge organization with one guy at the top of it mm-hmm. who Dangerous. didn't have to answer to anybody. Yes, that's a problem. And, and so 
it would have been a lot different if I, I think although when you have an institution sometimes the the knee-jerk reaction of the institution is to preserve the institution mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so we see in the catholic mm-hmm. church with cover-ups and mm-hmm. these cases but it happens in all different denominations now if it's healthy the synod institution church body whatever is supposed to be there for oversight that when you do stray we can we can come in and either you know remove the person correct the person you know turn the person over to the local authorities if you have no hierarchy if you have no authority no oversight uh that also can be very dangerous I, th- there has been a lot of scandals in the southern baptist convention that 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 church body because each church is treated as an independent institute independent mm-hmm. uh, organization and they don't have any or- oversight it's more of just a network and i think there can be if the if the boards and the leaders at the top are more focused on jesus and not just about preserving the institution it can be a huge help to know that we're part of something bigger and it's not all right on one person mm-hmm. and i think that's based off the founders of our country also they came from england saying hey we saw henry chop off everybody's head all the time let's not put all the power in one place let's have a democracy mm-hmm. let's have let's have checks and balances so that can be really healthy yeah i guess and w- one thing i don't like uh, one thing i don't like about let's just say it, it could be any church body it doesn't have to be our church body is that if if we say that pe- people say i'm going to be part of this synod or mm-hmm. this church body because i believe with what they teach right i think it's very easy to f- go about it from the opposite direction and say if the synod stamps this with their approval, that's okay. And if they say, hands off, okay, we avoid that. And you're now you're just sort of like leading because you say, well, we agree with what they say doctrinally, and it's so easy to kind of fall into just this like cult following of whatever mm-hmm. they do, we do. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it takes out your kind of personal growth, what you reading the Bible, yeah. it's just like, yeah. oh, I have a question about this. What does the synod say? Right. You know, no, that, mm-hmm. that, that is the problem. And a lot of times some of our synods, especially Lutheran synods, they were formed not around doctrinal things, but around people. You know, the German synod, Norwegian synod, Wisconsin synod about location. It wasn't necessarily all around doctrine, that it was more connected because of language and culture to begin with. And so, yeah, I think that can be a real, a real challenge. And then, yeah, just ask, which is, what does the church say instead of what does the Bible say? And that was the whole mm. reason for the Reformation. So it's, it is, it is messy. Yeah. And I think in terms of like Hillsong, like, yeah, we, we all kind of want to see them like oust these people and for them to be repentant. And that would be a huge victory, obviously, because that's sort of like what Christianity is all about. At the same time, it's very easy to see like, we're going to take care of this internally, whatever that looks like. And we need to preserve the church because we have 10,000, 20,000 people that go here. And we don't want to just be like, we quit. Like we have to care for these people. But that's kind of what's happened is they're splintering. And I think it's Sam. Oh, I don't know. What's his name? Courier. Who is that? He's in Atlanta. He just became one of the Hillsong pastors and he's just, start an independent church with that group that he's leading a very large group in Atlanta I think and you know I I do think like again the Ravi Zacharias I think that's basically dissolving as well and it does show the importance of not making even the individual congregation about a pastor or a leader or something I, I do appreciate that even here at Victory having plural plurality in leadership, right? That the hopefully it's not just one guy or one leader or one person, that it's a, a group of people because yeah, we all could really fall. We don't want the church to fall with us. Yeah. I think I think it's really easy to idolize the person. Yeah. And then so we see their victories way too highly. We yeah. see their failures mm-hmm. way too highly too strongly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like you can't you can't put your faith in a person and 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 so the problem is like some of them have very inspiring stories yeah and so then you look up to them and it's like right. nope just right. another person that god is working through amen that's and, good and if they have great music i'm going to sing great music you know yeah to me i don't know i to 
to me, it's like if the, the, the church will, the church will face enough consequence from this stuff that it doesn't make any sense for us to be like, well, we can't support them financially. I don't, you know, there's people that won't buy like products. You said it's like it because, because they publicly are giving everyone sinning all of us. Mm -hmm. It's very sticky. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we made this as clear as mud. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you I at guess, home, you do the work. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep doing Hillsong until. I think there's, you know, some real pushback. Um. I Again, love it. I think it's the association. Yeah. Like, I don't know. No if one anybody... reads the credits. Just you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we exhausted right. on that topic? I think, I think so. so. Ben, what are you angry about? Okay. <laughs> Well, we are doing the sermon series through emotions, and uh, you know, I I don't know. When we think about all the, we think about most emotions. We don't necessarily put a a morality to it. You know, if you're sad, you're sad. Uh, if you're happy, you're happy. That's not necessarily good or bad. Sometimes maybe we say joy is, you know, Paul says rejoice always. That's a, that's a good thing, a, a morally right thing to do. What about anger? I want to know, like, is anger they call it, you know, as part of the, the ancient Catholic teaching was as part of the seven deadly sins was anger, right? And so is that, is it morally wrong to be angry? And the the Bible doesn't have very high regard for angry. I mean, I just have a couple of verses here. James 1, uh, 19 through 20 says, Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Proverbs 15, verse 18, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Proverbs 22, 11, the one who love, loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace. Oh, no, that's not right. Oh, sorry. That was not the right one. Uh, Proverbs 29, 22, an angry person stirs up conflict. A hot-tempered person commits many sins. And so, you know, and, and the Hebrew word for anger is like to become hot or, or, or to be heated. It's that, that same kind of idea, the same way that we kind of use it. So what do you guys think? Is anger morally wrong? Uh, can, have you ever, any, it can ever be good? What do you think? I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just asking for certain materials. I get ready for this. I think, I think first of all, we have to decide what, it, what anger is. Um, like I think a lot, uh, to, I, I, I become frustrated about things. I would not describe myself as angry. Like I, I don't, I get Sounds angry. Sounds like you're justifying. I don't, on. Get, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't get angry, like actually ups, angry, like irrationally upset, except for like once a year, maybe like it's, it's so infrequent, but like sometimes you go to the store and they're out of what you want. You're like, ah, you know, like, what is that? That's not sadness. It's it's, it's frustration. frustration. Maybe you're angry. You know, you're like is that anger? Yeah. So yeah, what is it? And and what is it? Le- oh, so I I think I have an idea. What What do you think about what anger? is I, I is it maybe a, a, a like a lack of control over something like well, ca- you, causing you think you, you to- deserve more. I yeah, think like entitlement, or yeah. yeah, or like when you don't have control of a circumstance or a thing or i don't know i don't know maybe that's part of it i i think have you guys ever seen the movie inside out that disney cartoon movie yeah. yes okay so it's kind of you know that movie kind of person is this little girl that she's going to be moving away and all the emotions she's experiencing and the whole movie is told through these emotions that are personified you have joy and sadness and fear and anger and and anger is kind of this red devil-y kind of character right and he blows his top and the fire goes everywhere and what I think is interesting about that movie, I think one of the points of that movie is like all these emotions have a purpose and they, they have a reason. You know, Joy thinks, well, we don't need sadness. And she's always trying to cover up sadness and stop sadness. But sadness helps us, you know, process grief and, and loss and and uh, helps us move on. And, and you know, fear is not a bad thing. We need fear sometimes to, to kind of alert things. And I, and I think anger also is a good thing that tells us something's not right when it's healthy, it's like there's an injustice right now where I saw that person steal that or I saw that thing happen and that's not right. The problem is, is like there's so anger create is such a strong emotion 
remember talking with a counselor as we prepared for the sermon series, and she said, what is anger leading you to do? And I think what I usually do is I get angry. I want to tell somebody, like, did you see what they did? And like, that leads to breaking the eighth commandment of, you know, giving false testimony, ruining someone's name, you know, but I think anger is such a strong emotion that it's, it's like, you can't bottle it up. It, you, it just kind of pours out. You want to go tell somebody about it or you want to, you know, or make you, some people are physical. Some people are, will, will say things they would never have said before, but they're so angry. They'll just spew out something and, and make someone else feel pain that they feel. So I think there's a righteous anger that says, I want that to stop. I, you know, the abuse or whatever that will lead me to do something good. And then, but more than often, I think anger leads to taking it personal and then making it personal. So those are some of the things I'm thinking about. What do you guys think? I, I, I think anger can be a good thing in that I think it sometimes um, motivates people to act. And, and if you're acting in the, in the right way right like for instance um Lo- logan he's my 12 year old he had a soccer tournament this yeah. weekend did you get kicked I out i saw him no i saw okay. him get angry okay and he turned it and he used it hmm. and he got faster and he got better yeah you know and he played harder yeah because he was angry yeah and i've never seen him do that and i'm like my kid is angry, you know, but he, <laughs> took, where he gets it. From. Yeah, hey, hey, but he took it and it fueled him. Okay. So that he was able to use that in a, in a productive way. Yeah. That's probably not how most anger. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking from personal experience. It's been funny. Now. So we've in this series, you know, we've, t- we've talked about anxiety. We've talked about sadness. We've talked about and every time we are preparing for these sermons, Pastor Bill and I kind of joke like that we're being tested that week if we actually believe what we're preaching. And so I've had things that happen this week where I'm like, I'm really mad about this and I want to do something about it and it's not going to be healthy. And I have to just hold my tongue and not, you know, go tell Emily or go, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, and so I think that's the big thing. What is your anger leading you to do? And are you going to be happy with yourself when it's over? Like... And then also this idea of venting, I don't think it actually helps. I think when you vent, it actually, if you maybe, maybe there's a, uh, help me process this, but lots of times instead of venting like a release valve, I think it's like venting like a fire. It's creating more, it it stirs up, it's creating more, more oxygen to the fire. And, and if you just let it go, you could forget about it a lot of times, I think. I, I like to process things and I, I often process things through communication. Sure. I don't have this mind where I can just sit there and like think about things. Sure. I ha- like this, I love this podcast. It helps me process yeah. things through communication. Um, so I, I like venting. Um, Do you ever feel like it stirs it up a yeah, little more? Yeah, sometimes. And even Dave will be like, okay, Annie, you're like getting yourself all worked up. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I guess so. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, so I guess that's kind of, so I'm thinking, so I'm preaching on Moses, and uh, it's in Numbers 20, and he's dealing with the second generation that came out of Egyptian slavery. And the first generation complained about water, complained against God, and they had died in the desert because of it. And now the second generation, Numbers 20, are about to enter the promised land, and they're complaining about water, and they're blaming Moses, and they're doing the exact same thing that the first generation did. And Moses loses his temper, and God says, go speak to the rock. And he says, listen, you rebels, do do we have to bring water out of this rock? You know, like, he's making it personal, making it about him, and instead of speaking to the rock, he strikes the rock twice, like, out of rage. And because of um, that, he he's not allowed to go into the promised land. And God says, because you didn't trust me and revere me as holy or present me as holy before uh, the Israelites, you will not enter the promised land. So this is a big deal. Uh, but then we also have Jesus who's overturning the temple, um, the tables, and the money changers in the temple in anger for, for them desecrating the temple. So I think my big thing is when we make it personal, all sin is against God. And if something is an injustice, once we take it personal and want to take personal action, mm. I think that's when we, or make someone revenge instead of righteousness and justice. There's a difference, I think, between justice and revenge. So those are the things I'm thinking about, and I just want help so this sermon doesn't stink. That's good. So in essence, like if there is an an, uh, an injustice going on, maybe a social or mm-hmm. whatever, like it's good to be angry and, yeah. then, and then act and advocate and, you know, I whatever, like that, that would be a 
good anger. I think so. That you. always disturbs me, though. What's that? When people get angry for other people's problems. Well, you're just a robot. It so. just seems. <laughs> no, it just seems so disingenuous. Like you, it's like it's you can you can read as much material or watch as many videos, and you can work yourself up to no end. And it to me, it just seems like it's it's not you're not it's not really about the thing, right? It's about you wanting to do something. Oh no! It's a I, I, to I me, see what your point you is. Know, it can, but what if somebody actually you know does feel a deep pain for this victim, whatever it is, or the these mm-hmm. you know these these marginalized group, whatever it might be, and really wants to help? Mm-hmm. Is that you? You think that? It can be altruistic. I think you're suggesting that they're they're helping for for themselves to feel like they're I doing think, yeah, something. Yeah, I think there's a majority of people that will just spew the rage that they seem like they're part of the movement, or because they yeah they want to seem like they're sort of on the moral high ground yeah. and on any given issue. Um, I think the I think the litmus test there is: Did you actually do something about it? Or did you take the easy way out and just complain about it? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what I'm talking about. Like two people could be angry or have, but what is your anger leading you to do? Is it just leading you to get revenge or or create a more just society? And and I think making someone feel the pain that you feel in that moment, that's where it gets real toxic. And, and people, you know, they're they're mad about something, and so they take it out on their spouse, or they're mad about something at work, and so they take it out on their kids, or something like that. Where you're, you're, the 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 burning inside feels so strong that you can't keep it in, and instead of dealing in a healthy way, you pour it out on, on other people. Loss of control. Yeah. Are, so are we okay with Jesus? Have I mean, we must be because Jesus is perfect. So everybody's okay with him flipping the table. Because I've often heard people like kind of cite that, well, it's okay to get mad because Jesus flipped the table, you know. Right. What What is that? Like, yeah. what was that in that moment? Yeah. He says, so he's coming into, um, I think he's kind of doing what we were talking about before, the institution. They, you know, they've, they've taken this temple and they've turned it into a market. And this was to be the house of God, that God gave specific instructions how it was to be built by Solomon. And this is where God was going to meet with his people. And people were treating it and, and taking advantage of people who were coming from a far distance to buy the animals to make sacrifices, and it was completely corrupting God's house. And so he quotes uh, uh, Jeremiah, and he says, um, "The Lord says it'll be a house of prayer, and you've made it a den of robbers." And so we would say that's righteous anger. I think we'd say righteous anger because he was it was about the honor of his father and his father's house. And um, and so he was willing to make a statement to say, you guys are messing this all up. I, you know, I don't know if he was, I, I don't know what the whole, if he's continuing trying to cause, you know, destruction to all these money changers, or if he was just doing that as a visual sign, like this is what needs to happen. You guys all need to clear out of here. You know, so I think that's, that's what righteous anger is. It's a, it's a, a desire for God's holiness, of God's justice, um, wasn't hurting anybody, but he was trying to bring justice to an unjust situation. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I did. I mean, when he flipped the table, were there goods destroyed? Did he like, you know, did... Jesus is a vandal. <laughs> well, no, but, but I mean, I mean, just thinking about this, like, you know, what was there? Was it a table full of goods that was being sold, uh, sold that now, has been destroyed and can't be sold or do you know what I'm saying? He flips the table of the money changers. So it seems like what happened was coins probably flew everywhere, whatever currency they were using. Mm -hmm. So, okay. But it doesn't, so the money was probably acquired in a corrupt way or. Right. I think, I think even ancient historian, I think Josephus mentions that they would only take, um, they wouldn't even take Jewish money. They would take Caesar's money mm. uh, so that you know, there was all sorts of corruption going on. Um, I'm just thinking if I can find this real quick. Uh, it was kind of the the climactic moment that led the religious leaders to say, we got to get rid of this guy. We got to get rid of Jesus. He's really messing with our mm. institution. He's messing with our income. 
um, all those kinds of things. So, yeah. Ben, you got to talk into the mic. Sorry, I'm also looking down at my Bible here at the same time. So, yeah. So it says in it's Matthew 21, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who are buying and selling there. He overturned the tables and the mo- of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Um, and then the next line is, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things and he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him, yes, he replied. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? And then he left them and went out uh, of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. So, I mean, he's overturning the temple, the the the, the money changers' tables, and then in the next one he's healing the sick and the lame and the blind. And so he's all about justice, all about doing what's right. And, uh, and, and yeah, I think this was a... Does the Bible ever say he became angry? Does it specifically say that? Um. Oh. It doesn't say because it just says he overturned them. Maybe he, could he have wasn't just angry. Like, he could have just been like putting them away, like you do with like the white tables out in the lobby. <laughs> just flip them over. <laughs> Got to flip them over. Pull the little rings in. Or maybe he's just like, I need down. your attention. Like I'm yeah. not angry, but here, this should get people's attention. I so mean, maybe that, he was never angry. Super awkward if someone's just sitting there and he just. <laughs> It seems like he kind of has to maybe like kick it over or something. Yeah, but... I mean, he's making a statement for sure. <laughs> it also doesn't say anyone was sitting on the benches when he overturned them. So maybe he just flipped them upside down to play a prank on him. I know. Well, and the other question is, did it happen twice or just once? Because John talks about it at the beginning of his ministry or the beginning of this gospel. Um, I have to look into it if it says he was angry or not. But I, I don't know how else you would see that except for anger. Mm-hmm. So. No, that's that's probably right. Yeah. My my big question is is um can we figure out where anger comes from just because I you know if, if people actually do have to really struggle against anger um anyone listening uh it, it might be helpful to figure out what anger is and where does it come from. I know for me when I get hurt I get angry. So it's typically for me typically associated with some kind of feeling of hurt in some way so yeah. personal like like ben said like taking it personally right right yep okay and i guess that's what I, i'm trying to say in this sermon if god god especially in the old testament he, has, he gets angry with israelites for worshiping the golden calf we see this wrath a righteous anger um that i think like all of our emotions it's not necessarily a moral thing but what does it lead us to do so I'm angry because there's an injustice. Even if some, you know, someone cuts me off when I'm driving. Now, that's not right. And if, if somebody was not angry at all when they saw something bad happen, we would say that's not good either. But is that going to lead you to go follow the person and you know road rage and respond and com- revenge? Or are you going to either take that to the Lord or find a b- more healthy way to deal with it? So my view as of my study in this far is that uh, it's not wrong in the moment, but man, it is so easy to live into, give into, and lead to really bad stuff. So it's dangerous. I, I think it's a good comparison with fire. You know, fire can burn your house down. You can, it can get out mm-hmm. of control, but it also it heats your food and and eat and and can be warm. used. Yeah, do do good things mm-hmm. with. So, hmm. so good. is is. So I mean, I don't know because like. I think psychologists say there's really only like four emotions. Yeah. There's fear, sadness, anger, and ha- gladness, yeah. just ha- happiness or whatever. Yeah. And so, I mean, so like I, I said before, like I don't really get angry, but I get frustrated. I mean, are they really the same thing? I think that's just the same shade of, that's why I said I think you're just some, justifying it. Yeah. A, lo- a lower <laughs> level? Yeah. <laughs> like you become like, there's like complaining, there's like frustration, yeah. and then there's irritation, and then there's what we call anger and then there's like rage and it's all so it's spectrum it's all the same thing you just ghost people probably right you stop talking (laughs) to them or yeah yeah (laughs) right but but it's so it's like there's there's something that you there's so we it's just it's all built off our own kind of internal sense of what's just 
and and oh. but it's also taking it personally at the same time because it's just weird that we have the same emotion when we get cut off in traffic as when you see um i don't know something horrific happening like some social issue right there's genocide in another country and you say that's not right, right. but it's not affecting you at all but that's the same emotion as when as when the grocery is. store is out of your brand of beans <laughs> Like, personal story <laughs> <laughs> very beans, upsetting yes. <laughs> but i i think that's what i'm trying to say and, and maybe all right i have this anger about something that's not really that big of a deal so sometimes i think you should reframe it not take it per- i mean i think about what made moses what made it so bad is he really took it personally they were complained against him and said it's saying you know what they're really sinned against god i need to we need to work with this this is really not a good situation i am frustrated with them but then to respond the way he did, that's the mm-hmm. problem. I, I really do think it's instead of saying they are sinning against God, when that person, whatever they do, this is not a sin directly against me. Or Yeah, or how about this? Um, I don't, speaking on behalf of a friend, um, <laughs> I, I do get irritated with other drivers. Like, and it's, it's mostly like, I don't, I don't know if this is taking it personal or if it's me maybe being judgmental. Like, sure why are you not using your turn signal? Like it's literally a lever. It's just a small lever that you just need to use, you know, your finger and just all you have to do is just hit the lever. And so I just feel like it's, I feel like sometimes when people are driving, it is a blatant disregard of other people. Other people yeah. And that's what makes me angry. Right. So it's not like, oh, they cut me off in traffic. How dare they cut me off in traffic? Yeah. I'm so mad. It's like, how? Why are you not aware enough? Yeah. To know that there's yeah. some, you know, you know what I mean. Right. And so I, I guess, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, know I think that's that, but. that's part of it. This is not just. It's not right. It's not the way that we've set up these rules, the rules that we're all supposed to follow. These. Right. It's, it's, it keeps us safe and it keeps it orderly. And so that's, I guess that's what I'm saying now. If that leads you to, yeah, go give them the bird and drive, you know, fast. You know, all I would these, never. <laughs> all these things, you know, like or chase them down or yell at them or whatever, you know. Or is it, all right, you have a kid who's going to be driving mm-hmm. coming up and I'm teaching Shelby to how to drive. Is it I'm going to teach so that they don't do these kinds of things that I see? Oh, boy. I don't know. Here's here's the, the kind of closing verse that I think I'm going to really key off of. It says in Ephesians 4, verse 26, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So in your anger, it's, you're going to have anger, don't sin. Don't let your anger lead to sin, and don't let the sun go down. Let it fester, and don't give the devil a foothold. Because I think this is one of those emotions that really the devil can just take and run with it so so because it's so painful that's all i have to say about that well and i think part of a way to mitigate that too is to be transparent i mean i've had friends you know over the years be like well you know annie when you did this Mm -hmm. it really like upset me yeah and you know i'm quick to apologize i'm like i'm so sorry i didn't mean that or whatever and then we move on but if it's not ever addressed then you know, mm. then my friend might be mm-hmm. festering and, you know, yeah. then, then talking smack behind my back or, you know, yeah. if, if, if the problem is not addressed, then right. it really just can breed, yeah. you know, with, and so I, yeah. So I guess transparency to me is something that's important yeah. to reduce, you know, anger with relationships and things like that. Um, friendships and whatnot. Uh, to, to me, I don't even always have to address it. Like it kind of depends on what it, like if it was like a personal thing, maybe, but Sometimes someone like, if someone says like, "Oh, do you want to know what they said about you?" I'm like, "No, no, I don't." Like <laughs> I don't. they were upset. Who cares? Who I'm cares? upset at them sometimes. Yeah. I say mean things. I yeah. don't mean like, you know. Well, and I don't like that either. Why? Why would that be helpful to the situation? I, I, you know. I think, some that psychologists talk about too is your locus of control. Mm-hmm. Like, am I going to let all these external things? be the thing that's on my mind. I'm going to look at the world as all these external factors that I'm going to focus on or my internal locus of control, focus on what are the things that I can control actually, you know? And so I think that's the hardest thing with driving is like, you can't do anything about it. Somebody cut you off or the turn signal. 
I always joke with Pastor Bill because like for a while there half of his illustrations were on driving like and then somebody in the like <laughs> doesn't know how to use the roundabout right and like yeah right you know and and but that's the hardest one because it has, you can't do anything about it so I think that's when you just have to let it go that's one of those examples that it's not going to be helpful to keep festering so. yeah. What are we at for time? Yeah. We're, we're probably about time here. About yeah, time. Did you? you uh, I'll, we'll, we'll get to mine next week. So okay. It's fine. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello.